Hit it. Welcome to Poly Muse. I am Michael, and this is the cousin. What's up? My name is Ben. We cover albums going through the history, the nostalgia, and the breakdown track by track. We are starting season one with Linkin Park. And today's episode will be... And today we are running through live in Texas, Linkin Park's first live album was recorded August of 2003. When did you first come across this, Ben? Oh, probably in August of 2003. Um, I never really listened to it. I think a lot of people skip the live albums of most bands anyway, and uh, but that's not what we do. We take every song from every album by our favorite artists. We do the complete rundown. We grade them a b c d e uh against the band itself that's right Uh, i think i skipped this album too if it wasn't new music i didn't particularly care but Mm -hmm. uh, it was recorded in reliance stadium which is now nrg stadium it was home of the houston texans and it was opened in august 24th of 2002 so almost exactly a year before the concert took place. Awesome. And it uh, broke ground for the Houston Texans franchise in the NFL, uh, which is a new new football squad there at the time. Originally built to held, hold just over 71,000 people um, and had the first retractable uh, roof for a, for a football stadium. Um, now, this concert uh, also came, uh, the CD also came with the DVD of the concert, and they did not... Uh, max out capacity oh that's too bad i know uh they had quite a few folks though um you could certainly watch the concert still on youtube and it's it's entire and you can certainly still find the the dvd out there now that it's years past um and the numbers may have changed a bit because they do have the crowd filling you know where the field would be filling Mm -hmm. the field of the you know, a standing room only. So right. maybe they did have quite a few people there. And then like the lower bowl, the lower section was filled. But you didn't have people all the way up in the nosebleeds, which is probably a good thing. Then obviously they had to close off the back end of the stadium. So there's no one looking at the back of Lincoln Park's head. So they got there, though, man. They I like to think of them as a stadium rock band. That's really kind of where they took this. Um, you know, when they started writing some of the later albums especially it's like they're really crafting just these super powerful like melodic songs that are designed to like fill a stadium it remind almost kind of reminds me of the band queen they're totally different in types of styles that they employ but uh queen also was known for blending a lot of styles but then taking that just to the next level as a live show like just being able to create songs that can fill a stadium and just have a whole movement it's like it's almost like a broadway show where it's like every song has to take you on that journey and um lincoln park definitely understood that like they they deserve to be playing these stadiums and they took that challenge and started making their music that that uh What's the word I'm looking for? Where it's able to touch that many people, you know, all at once. It's very emotional. It's very emotional. 
it's very like visceral it's very um it's all about how they craft the melodies and it's all about how they craft the set list and it's it's just taking because there's records that are weak and you know and that would never work live but it's just how they do it it's how they craft it from beginning to end and uh as we've said before they were lincoln park is always at you know doing new versions of songs and rewriting the song and changing the song and fixing the song so it's awesome that they were able to go that big and be in stadiums like that so like now we got to take it to that level like we got to push it this far um and obviously i'm talking about you know late kind of their later studio albums and stuff like that where they're trying to match that this type of energy but the point that i'm bringing it back around to is here's their first you know live album release kind of our first taste as fans and kids you know we weren't gonna go see these guys as kids but you know this is kind of what your first taste of like you said they didn't fill the stadium but they're obviously a stadium rock band and like this is our chance to to see them try to take it up to that level and it was early in their career really yeah um, they weren't the the headlining group but to, to to join in the group they did here really early in their career was was really something um this this tour was the summer sanitation tour and it was headlined by metallica uh brought in just over 90 million dollars an estimated 90 million dollars closer to 91 that's a pretty good check yeah uh the first leg of the tour actually ran through 2000 uh had bands like Korn, Kid Rock, System of a Down, and Power Man 5000. Had to Google that to, to figure out who that was, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, I've heard of that. I'm not sure. The rest <laughs> of that is like all-star that's studded a, that's lineup, a power though. lineup. Yeah, holy cow. To especially, this, to you know. this day. Yep. And then the second group here, which is the group that uh, Linkin Park performed with, uh, was Mudvayne, Deftones, yes. Lincoln Park, yes, our favorite hot That's dog like flavored water lineup. group. Yep. Oh, absolutely. now they ruined it. Yep, Lincoln Park, <laughs> uh, Limp Biscuit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fourth man out of yep. a trio of yeah. And then our headliner, uh, Metallica. Yep. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. That would have been perfect. I do think we were still a little too young, probably at this point, to be going to stadium shows and stuff like that. But, yeah, that would have been very interesting. Yeah. They performed back-to-back nights in uh, in Texas. They performed uh, in Irving, Texas, at Texas Stadium the night after this recording happened. I always wondered why it was just live in Texas. Like, they could have named it something better. But I believe they took – I believe the original plan was to take recordings and DVDs, you know, DVD recording and then mm-hmm. uh, of both shows and then the Uh-oh. CD is actually the exact music taken from the DVD video. Yeah. So. Let yeah, let's just explain that real quick. They don't have the same track listing. There's the DVD, there's the CD. But what you what are you saying? They rip it's the exact same show. It is. It's the same. Yes. It's not the other show. Correct. Okay. It could is, have been. It could have been. But that's but it not is what not. they did. Got it. So the the what was released was a CD DVD package of the show in Reliance Stadium. Got it. Um, yeah, that was it. And it's great. It's great. They do good, dude. I didn't know how good they were gonna do, and I didn't know how much samples they were gonna have to use. Yep. And I'm still not sure how much of it was samples. 
to be honest, because I only listen to the record. I think if I watch the show, I'll probably be able to figure out like how much of it they're really pulling off without relying on a track. I mean, they're going to have some track. I mean, they have a DJ. I get it. But, you know, he's got to be. They they can cheat is what I'm saying, and I don't think they really do. I think they they really do bring the live energy. They do have live drums on most of it. They obviously live guitar all the time, and um, they've got their own thing, dude. It's never gonna sound like a normal band, but they they absolutely bring a live band chops and energy and and stuff to it. It's not like a DJ set at all. Like they're I. Going back through it, I was impressed with how it sounds live. I mean, yeah, right, and, right, and, and just how really the vocals were the most impressive. And and we'll start to go, you know, through the tracks here, but the vocals were amazing. Um, and that I think all the vocals are live through the entire project right I think everything was live i don't think there's anything i wasn't even thinking of manufactured that. but you're right most most people sing to their own track these days they do they and have a track on a record and they sing to it live absolutely and and there's points where you know chester's responding got that response back right. and forth to himself yeah he's singing back and forth to himself in the tracks so the breathing that he has in some of these tracks because mm-hmm. you think he's got a uh, be energetic on stage, and he's singing, um, but also the breathing technique that's involved yes. with the vocals and all the energy he's putting in. And he's drenched in sweat two tracks in. I mean, it's Texas. <laughs> it's You're heading into fall there, but it's still, still toasty. Um, and that's there are awesome. 17 tracks performed, but there are 12 on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do perform for, I think it is just over an hour, and he's drenched about you know 10 minutes in. But with all the breathing and the screaming and the jumping around, you know, just the breathing technique between all the vocals uh, is just impressive. That's I a think. great point. And I don't think you pick that up as much on the on the on the CD. Right. I think you'll pick some of that up, um, but you don't really hear him breathing into the microphone either, where you pick that up on some live performances. So it's just, I mean, it's it's pretty nuts. I think. So they do their own vocals live, which, you know, good for them. It's incredible that they're actual singers. Chester will never get enough credit for being a powerful vocalist. You know, there's people that fake it. There's rock singers that fake it. But Chester's got the real, he's got the pipes, dude. He he really can control it, the sound that comes out of him. Like he has complete control of his, like you said, his breathing and everything. Which that is incredible. It's and, just a uh, really impressive performance. And yeah, like we're saying, it sounds live. It doesn't sound, you know, but it sounds as good as the album. So they found a way to pull off all the sounds without cheating, basically. I yeah. think I'm pretty sure. I, I, it sounded great, great to me. So yeah. we'll have to break it. It sounds great. They really do. It's a good sound. Uh, it is different than the album. It's got it's live, man. You know they they pull it off, and uh, I have... I think they had haters at the time. You know who knew that it was a lot of tracks and a lot of pre-recorded stuff, and you know just people who didn't like this whole wave of music in general, where they started putting DJs in rock bands and stuff like that. But Lincoln Park nails it like this. They they do the they take it as far as they can take it. 
Yeah, and they obviously had respect from their peers with the groups that they're touring with, you know, four years into their career here. So they obviously have respect from their Yeah, Linkin Park, Mudvayne, Deftones, that's like an all-time, you can't beat that. And we have uh, Brad with his headphones as well on stage, um, which obviously you won't see on the uh, list here on the CD, but uh, he does indeed wear his headphones headphones as he does in every music video every performance all the time i googled that to find out more i just googled like what is he monitoring all the time because a lot of bands will have the track or whatever or the vocal track but he's literally said he's like it puts me in my own zone in my own space so i have to wear them but then they're like, yeah, but what are you listening to? Like, what is in the monitors? <laughs> and he said, if I told you, I'll have to kill you. So okay, that's he won't tell us. We have no idea if it's the track or if it's the vocalists or if it's himself or if it's some kind of weird mix that, you know, he needs to get into his headspace. But uh, he might literally be listening to a different song. Oh, yeah. A totally different record. <laughs> He's just listening to like johnny cash or something instead don't know he won't tell doesn't seem to throw off his live performance it's just weird it's like (laughs) it's just weird (laughs) it's cool i mean it is you know i'm looking at some of these these pictures right here they've all got earpieces like they've obviously got a a guy who mixes their ears for them and gives them like oh i need the bass i need to keep them focused right you know, that's not unheard of at all. Most bands at this level are going to have some kind of in-ear monitoring, but it's just that guy's on a different level, dude. It looks fine. Like, he's they look badass. They all look badass. That was my other question about this was, like, are they going to look cool? And they absolutely do. They, like... Very early 2000s cool? They're not, you know, they're not going <laughs> overboard. I think there's some Jinko jeans on display here probably oh, yeah. and some piercings and some terrible tattoos. But, I mean, it, it they fill the stage. They've got an ener- the stage presence. That's what I'm getting at. I was wondering if they, you know, being a band that's more about the studio and the track and the sample, I wondered what the stage presence was. And they they have that too. Every piece of the puzzle is there, man. They're the complete package. They've got the stage presence and the good records. Well, and from what I can tell, they did have the roof open that evening. They filled out the you know the field, so they had they had the field full of fans and the the lower bowl full of fans, and they were all rowdy and excited. And they were middle of the lineup, I believe. So you had a couple bands to to prep you. Yeah, uh, Mudvayne and Deftones went first, I believe. Good. Uh, so you still had uh, Limp Biscuit. Oh, God, they ruined. I know. Biscuit goes first. I don't care. I know. There's Metallica has to go last. You know, they really just should have named the band Hot Dog Flavored Water. That would yeah. have been fine. That's how I always think of that. That's that's how I started uh, my notes for this podcast was the Hot Dog Flavored Water Banks. I couldn't remember what they're called. Yeah, those guys. <laughs> well, you'll never forget them. I'll never. I forget them all the time. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I know some dudes who, who are really into Limbiscuit. and I, there's stuff, there's something there. They had their own thing, but I don't need that in my Lincoln Park podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> this is not the same level. <laughs> not the same. But the point is, for this live performance, um, fans have already been cooked up. 
They're ready to go. A couple bands down, a couple more to go. They're middle of the lineup. Um, look like general admittance. So they had some uh, mosh. What are they called? Mosh circles? I obviously know mosh pits. Yeah, like a circle pit. They yeah. were doing circle pits. Yeah, awesome. I thought they had awesome. another, another, another special name. But I circle can't think pit of it is now. fun. I dream and hope for a day where the mosh pit will come back into into reality, man. I love a good mosh pit. I wondered. I wondered if people got rowdy at this show. Obviously, they do, man. There's some of this stuff. It's all about the the rhythm. It's all about the rhythm. If there's a there's certain rhythms where you have to mosh to it, and if the band can lock in and deliver on and hit it and hit it right and continuously hit it, you gotta do it. It's a it's a contract of if if they can provide it the correct moshing atmosphere and rhythm, it just erupts, dude. It's I love that kind of thing. But yeah, they get rowdy, right? They got to, they have to. Some of these tracks are the perfect, oh the yeah, perfect. Oh yeah, and we'll uh we'll we'll rock we'll walk through it for you. <laughs> the the um what's going on here? So all right, let's dig in. Live in Texas. Live in Texas. No skips. Track by track. Um, are we gonna? I was thinking. Should we give these the letter grades? I don't know. Is it fair to to put them on the same tiering system as the as the real album? I'm not sure. Uh, we don't have to. I mean, would they go on your main album anyways? Would you put a live version mm, of Somewhere I Belong with point. Somewhere I Belong? Right. So I right. Worry. I think we should. That's a good point. It's up to you, but my opinion is we should evaluate this both as a live performance, a little bit different, both as a live performance and how they sound, um, both just how it sounds as the album now as you'd be listening to it 12 tracks, and both how they sound as like a live show. Yeah. Because that's how it was meant to be recorded. It was meant to be... You have to remember it was meant to be um, digested as a live show. Like the package was you watch the DVD and then you take the tracks that they ex- extrapolated on the CD with you and listen to. Mm-hmm. So that's how it was packaged, even if you stream now only the album. Like it was meant to be a full experience. So I think we should kind of tackle it as a full experience. They do a good job of hopping right into the first track, which is uh, Don't Stay. And then rolling on from song to song to song and not interacting with the audience, which I think is a is a good thing. That's the way to do so it. So just roll from song to yes. song, get everyone hyped up. Don't tell jokes. Yep. <laughs> exactly. The song should be the message and the energy. If you've got to tell jokes and explain stuff, it's like you should be able to communicate all just the notes that you already wrote. Yep. So they don't really um, engage with the audience towards kind of the back half to kind of get them uh, more hyped. So they hop they hop right in with um, Meteora track two, three, and four, uh, which is Don't Stay, Somewhere I Belong, and Lying With You, which, you know, kind of clicks in your brain because that's the order you'd hear them in, in the album, oh, okay. which I think is a good way to to do it, is mm-hmm. to some songs that you'd recognize as hearing in a row, especially at that point when you were still listening to CDs. And it obviously works in terms of having the energy moving and building on the on itself and stuff like that. Exactly. And there's a few other points where they'll go in order of you know certain tracks from certain albums. Um, but I think that was a good way to to start. Yeah, starting with the new stuff, but it fits right in. I mean, it, it's as catchy. Hybrid Theory and Meteora. They're only pulling from two albums, and you know they're starting with the new the new cuts. But it, it 
it's still got the same vibe, the same energy when they when they bring it live like that. Yeah, and you got to start, you know, mixing your hits in in the middle and then towards the end. So, but they yeah. do a good job mixing the new material in, and I like that they do tracks that you'd hear consecutively off the album to start with to kind of get your your brain clicking that that's what you're used to hearing and you can kind of get amped up for it to start the show and take the journey all right so we just took a listen to don't stay uh, that they popped on stage that was the opener somewhere I belong and lying from you meteor meteora track two three and four uh, which had just released um, and they come in high energy we have the front couple rows there jumping up and down we have a circle mosh pit going yeah they're getting rowdy off the bat man they're bringing the energy we got mike and chester jumping around um we've got headphone brad you know in his own zone listening to like horror music or something (laughs) yep and uh and phoenix as well uh on the bass and we have um mr han mr han scratching away he's got the energy dude you would you'd think the DJ would be the least energy, but he's he's doing it all, man. He's really rocking and rolling. He's putting a lot of work in for spinning records and and running a few samples. Yeah, I'm trying to figure. You know, like I said, I always try to figure out like how a band puts their sound together. It looks like he's triggering a lot of the samples live, like on the beat with a sample pad, which is cool. And he's doing the scratching live too. He's got like a one of those digital vinyls where you can put like whatever sound you want and scratch it. And I do think that the drummer is using a track. I'm pretty sure there's like extra hi-hats and stuff going on and that the drummer's just kind of hitting accent notes to kind of add that live feel, but it's cool. It's whatever they, you know, they're not overly reliant. It's definitely like we keep harping on. It's, it's got the live feel to it nevertheless. And, uh, it sounds great, man. The whole the vibe is amazing. The just I just love a the a band being able to conjure a sound. That's what I'm so into about bands where it's like these guy is like a magic. It's like they create a sound that would never have existed. It never it only exists while they're doing it. Like it it's live creation that they manifest. Like and it's dope that they've got six members and that they're all putting in so much work like that. And, and you know, you got the six different sounds going on and they, they just bring it, dude. It's, it's a great stadium rock sound. It works. And the energy is top notch. You do have Mr. Han, uh, you do have the drums um, on an elevated, they're both on elevated platforms um, behind the main kind of stage area a little bit. So you can see them from afar um, and then guitar uh, bass and then the two vocalists mike and chester two vocalists yep. amazing yeah up ahead so that you can they can you know jump around and move around and have more freedom uh for stage presence um but the vocals are spot on i mean they're excellent mike's um rapping rapping chester's um singing and the screams are excellent yep. uh, and that's something you'll have throughout the whole live performance, live CD. Uh, I mean, that's that's the key. Even if you have some samples just to keep it, just to keep you spot on and then you're adding the live elements. I mean, that's 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 the key. If the vocals aren't right, you're screwed. So yeah. that's just... <laughs> yep. That's what and, most people key in on. So yeah, they got that. Chester nails it every time. 
a lot of bands like this would, you know, skimp on the screaming and be like, yeah, they get it. They right. they know the song. I don't got to scream it every time. But he right. does. He does. He doesn't have the audience do it for him. Yeah. You know, he does They probably do a little bit of that, but he, yeah. yeah. Right. But he, he holds the note all the way through. He doesn't cut the note early. Right. He doesn't, right. you know, take a breath in between and, and, you know, hit the note again or do any of that, you know. He plays Cheap it like stuff. an instrument. He plays it like an instrument. And exactly like it was written and how it was recorded on the album. So exactly like an instrument. Exactly to the beat and exactly how it was recorded and meant to be listened to. So yeah, cool group of songs there. They all kind of lead into each other. They all they they're nailing them. We're gonna take a look at some more of the some more of the songs from the DVD. We're basically going to go through the through the track listing and kind of comment when there's something interesting that goes on. Obviously, already we've seen Mike Shinoda pick up a rhythm guitar and, and play along. I think he plays some keyboards and stuff like that later on, too. And uh, there's obviously songs where he's more of the front man, kind of doing more of like a rapper style of performance. And... Uh, I just love that kind of thing where you've got multi-instrumentalists and people who can play different stuff and just, you know, set up a hundred instruments on stage and just do, you know, different. They don't go that overboard with it, but I just love that kind of a thing where a band can uh, branch out like that. And they've obviously got the money and the talent and a, a good stage crew who can like, okay, now wheel out the guitar. Okay. Now bring out the keyboard. Like even that people, don't really think about the stage hand aspect or the guitar tech aspect. Um, you know, when you've got a guitarist in your band, you're going to have a full-time guitar tech who changes the strings and plays the guitar to break in the strings Yep. and, you know, keeps it in tune so that he can just hand you a perfectly tuned guitar with <laughs> new strings, but broken in strings. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of bands will use four, five, six, you know, or a different guitar on every song, like whatever they want to do to get different tones or different uh, styles of guitar going on. But, you know, you see the end product and it seems easy, but you don't think about how many, you know, different, how many jobs are going on here, how many different audio mixers and engineers they must have, um, you know, for the, the mix coming over speakers, the mix going into the monitor, all kinds of different stuff that's being controlled and technicians that you know tune the drums and set up the mics usually those guys are going to tour with the band and work with that band exclusively but you've also got guys that work for the venue guys that work you know for the the touring company or i you know it probably works different ways every time but it's just cool to see a band at this scale like this many lights and this much instruments going on like a real high caliber music act like that it's amazing it's a whole industry it's a whole it's an, a whole army of people that are put together to to make something like that really happen like this uh next up the next tracks they perform uh really the third fourth fifth tracks uh, and they're all on the cd are from hybrid theory they go back to the debut album they hit track one four and six paper cut points of authority and runaway all right so so next up in the track list, what did we hear? What did we watch and view with our eyes and ears? All right, so we just checked out Paper Cut, Points yep. of Authority, and Runaway off the debut Hybrid Theory album. 
Paper Cut, obviously uh, a big track because it was the first song off of Hybrid Theory, the first track many folks would have ever heard of Linkin Park, uh, and the just a heavy song, and that would have been the first, just the first taste you would have ever heard of Linkin Park. Like this is a heavy group, I like this. Mm-hmm. That would have been the first hook you ever got. So a very big track uh, for for a lot of folks. So they're going to the hits, going for the hit track one hit, going to the hits. More great vocals. Um, yeah. Fans fans are feeling it. We got rowdy fans. We got shirts off. Yep. People bouncing to the beat. Yep. They get down, dude. Phoenix gets down. He crouches all the way down on his knees and, like, throws picks and, like, high fives people. Like, he gets all the way down. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. You know, Mr. Han pumping his fist. He's, like, switching records and stuff. I'm not exactly sure why because he's got, like, a digital record. But I, there's obviously samples that he needs from the vinyl, too. I don't know why. But um, so that's kind of cool. I, they do kind of rely on the track a little bit more on points of authority. There's some, like, backwards, like, record spin stuff. And they they got the lie, or the uh, the lead guitar on Paper Cut was also pre-recorded uh brad's just playing the chugging like rhythm stuff and the lead guitar is coming out of the track but again i do think uh mr han's triggering them on beat and that it's not just like a completely pre-recorded thing and uh it's just cool i'm not knocking it at all it's just interesting to me to see how it's put together and like what they're actually you know their what is really coming out of their hands you know and what is the rest of it so it's cool it's they they uh kind of bridge that gap and uh they cheated a couple times on these which you know maybe they could have found a different way to do it live but they pull it off and these these are good these are good paper cuts good it's good it's good stuff um mr hans always got his sunglasses on yeah. He's very active though. Yeah. He's, and is scratching. It's good to see the whole mm-hmm. whole group very active. And yeah, these are just big tracks because they were the early the first songs you would have heard from from Lincoln Park. So although they lead a little bit more on uh certainly not what they're actually playing on this, more the uh the samples and the backing, uh the energy's good. And I think that's important in a live performance because these are so big to a lot of the day one fans. Yeah, absolutely. So then they switch it up and play three more Meteora songs. So we're going to check those out. So we checked out Faint and From the Inside, the next two tracks up from the DVD. Pretty cool. They knock them out of the park again. Um, Sound great, man. It's cool. Chester, like, climbs up on the DVD, climbs up, like, behind the rest of the band. He's, like, standing above them like an angel, dude. It's incredible and like mike is like center stage and taking the kind of the front man role but then they like cut to chester and it's like oh yeah we've got this other singer up there also holding it down over there like it's just like a three ring circus at that point dude like musically though like musically though not they don't have elephants and crap they have the sound that they can create and uh again they do rely kind of on the track a little bit on this they they basically they've 
they've got like the drum loop sample and it sounds a specific way like they it has to sound like the crazy uh like affected drums on the record so they basically they like play the loop and then the drummer plays like thrashy stuff over it is basically the pattern that they're going with here rhythmically um so they've got that kind of full palette of percussion sounds coming out where it's the weird glitchy you know where the snare drum sounds like a buzzsaw or whatever they're doing but they've got it's they just do both essentially on these last couple songs and it works it fills out the sound but it keeps it sounding like the atmosphere of the album as well we got some great harmonizing with mike and um chester yeah they should do it more yeah they should we have uh lars ulrich guest appearance from lars yep and a um i think it's a bunny hat some kind of pink hat and hulk gloves popping out on from the inside and we have some great great screams from chester on the track as well where he's Looks like he's having convulsions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Letting out the screams. It's funny when Lars... I just want to mention, it's funny when Lars pops out. It's cool to have a cameo, but he's so narcissistic that he has to be center stage during the opening act for his band. Like, I mean, I get that he's just goofing around, but I don't I don't know. Well, has to have his time before his time. He's got to be center stage for, for their show. So, cool. Cool. Good job, Lars. Yeah. Go practice the drums. So the next set of songs are not on the CD. They do perform Figure 9, which is off of Meteora, With You, which is off Hybrid Theory, and By Myself, which is off Hybrid Theory Hybrid as well. Hybrid Theory, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the crazy one. That's right. By Myself is the insane one where they just clip every vocal and... That's right. The buzzsaw one. Yeah, so those three songs are actually next in the show and on the DVD. They are not on the CD, though. They, they cut by myself? Three. What the heck is wrong with yeah, that? I know. Let's see. Maybe it, maybe they screwed it up. Probably not. It's probably cool. It sounds... Uh, I would not have cut that one. A, a little different, a little, little bit different sounding. We'll cover it. Let's check it out right now, right in front of your face. So we checked out the next three songs. We get Figure 9, With You, and By Myself. Pretty cool. Pretty much like the album. By Myself is a lot different. They start with kind of like a clean intro to really kind of throw you off and really set up. Because By Myself, as we've said, definitely their most intense, craziest song. Uh, I loved that song as a kid a lot. Even stood out even from the other intense music that they've got as just being like the the crazy one. And uh yeah, the screaming on this is nuts. Yeah. It's a great um kind of change up to kind of kind of drop it down for the intro and, and build you back up. And I also feel like it kind of sets the tone for like the second act as we're hitting the back mm, third of the album mm-hmm. and the performance really. Um so I think that's good to kind Excuse me, to kind of switch it up. Um, screaming is excellent. Yeah. Uh, he does. And it peaks. Like, he took it high. Like, he's already been screaming at a 10. Yeah. For an hour of music or whatever it is. And it's like, no, this, no, this is the crazy one. So yep. you got to go higher than a 10. 
And he does. He keeps it pretty consistent. I think there's one where he he drops out a little bit, but for the most but part, come on. he's able to keep it pretty come on. pretty steady. Um, but by myself was a pretty is a pretty fantastic um, track. It's unfortunate that it did not make the yeah CD, uh, so it wouldn't make your you know your your Spotify playlist or anything like that, which is unfortunate. Mm, yeah, that's silly. That's goofy. Maybe it was too good. Maybe you had to buy the DVD. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. We're checking out this DVD. I'm not sure. It looks like they did wear the same clothing for both nights of the Texas shows uh, to allow them to edit in between. Uh, we're trying to catch them doing it. It looks like um, we're not sure, but I think they did kind of cut between at least different pieces of footage. There's parts where the footage doesn't match the music at all, and we suspect that they... Well, we know that they, they have said they wore the same clothes both nights, and a lot of times that's done so that they can kind of... It's like coverage shots. Like, if they get a screwed-up shot, on the, they can always say, well, cut to the other night. It doesn't have to match. So, just interesting. Just little tidbits. Kind of see how it was all put together like that. Yes, yeah, so they performed... So, the recording in the first performance was the August 18th. So, the following night, August 19th, they performed... Uh, in Irving, California, so they're able to splice what footage they needed to um, from that show in. So the next two tracks, which are both on the CD, are pushing me away from well, Hybrid Theory, but this is the really the kind of reanimation version. Yeah, and, super cool that they did that. We'll talk more. Yep, and then Numb from Meteora. So pushing me away. Uh, we. Opens with some great harmonies from Mike and Chester. Mm -hmm. And they also keep some of the the background uh, chatter noise sample as well that you hear from the original right. Jack. Craig. All of them like talking all at once like demons. I thought that was a nice little touch as well. Yeah, that's a cool sample to have going on. I want to mention too, some of the stuff, the like in between banter like chester shouts out the audience which i think is really cool and he says like to any musicians or artists that are out there he's like we were once like you like not too long ago and now we're like on the other side of the aisle and i just think that's really cool and really self-aware of them to kind of flip it backwards and and uh, do a shout out back to the audience um in this you know there's a lot of vanity or whatever once you get to that level and it's uh, it's pretty intelligent of him to do that. So that's cool. Uh, and then, yeah, then they, they dedicate pushing me away to the fans. And then they do the reanimated version, which is super cool. So that's them. They basically had to learn it from the track at that point because the they reanimated them by sending out all the stem tracks and then having outside producers kind of work on it for them. But And Mike worked on it too and all that, but you know this is them like learning it after the fact as like a, a remix and that's super dope that's a really cool way to make a song it's cool that they put in that extra effort to to relearn the song to kind of put something new into the performance uh, it's also a good good place in the in the live thing to kind of bring it to kind of connect with the fans and this version of pushing me away is also the more mellow uh, mellow version whereas the original pushing me away is very high energy another just high high energy high kind of tempo kind of up there track and this is the more mellow version 
kind of pushing you into numb, which is a little bit more high energy again. And again, we're building towards the end of the show. But yeah, this is like the infinite build up, like vamp version of pushing me away where they just keep going through the riff, keep going through the riff, keep going through the riff, little more intense, little more intense and truly talented band. Like that's the real talent of, of playing music with dynamics is like most bands, they can play loud or they can play soft, but it's like doing all the layers in between and being able to ramp up and ramp down and subtly ramp up like that and not just go from quiet to loud that's the real talent and that's the real craft of uh of this type of music and it's cool that they're operating on that level this song is definitely hard to play like and it's it just keeps getting more intense they never blow it they never go overboard and uh that's pretty damn good now when we head into numb we do get mike on the keyboard which is nice. Um, it does get drowned out when they head into the choruses, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I hate in live performances. I like when they can add keys, when you can hear them, or, you know, depending on the instrument, bring in different things. But I really hate when you just get drowned out. I understand um, it for appearance and for effect, but I just feel like those energies are can be put to other use if you're just going to get drowned out anyways. And you could leave that to that piece to a sample and add something else someplace else. I just always watching a performance when you're adding something like the keys and half the time you can't hear them. I don't know that to me always defeats the purpose, but it's nice in the couple spots you can hear them. It does sound good. I wish he had played a lot more. He kind of half asses it, but that's, it's whatever he, they're getting the keyboard in there. So um, but yeah, I know what you mean. A lot of times the keyboard just ends up adding kind of white noise and just extra texture that you can't even really hear or pick out. And it does kind of seem like they suffer from that on here, but yeah, he can play keys too and guitar. That's pretty cool, but it he, is, he yeah. should have played a lot. It sounded so good. I wanted him to play more. Yeah. We do see all his talents on display throughout the whole show. That's for sure. And uh, we're in the home stretch here. We wrap up with crawling in the end, uh, a place for my head, which actually doesn't make the CD as well, but we do get crawling in the end, a place for my head, and one step closer. Cool. The crew. So what did we hear in that last set of songs here to round out the live in Texas experience? What do we got? We've got crawling. Yeah. Where we finally have some... Well, we, we had a little fan participation, but we have some real fan participation here mm-hmm. joining in the lyrics. And they sing it right back to him. As depressing as it is, they make it so catchy, and it just sounds good. Yep. And they it's just insane to me. They're just chanting, crawling in my skin, like just these dark, dark lyrics. These fears they will not heal. And, you know, all the kids are chanting right along with it because it just sounds so good. It's kind of the first time where they let the audience sing along. And, you know, he does the I can't hear you people in the back, like all the all the trope. They know how to do it. They know how to play it up. It's not cheesy. It's it just is. It's just how you do it. It's how you work the state, the whole stadium. And they do a lot of that kind of stuff here. Finally, um, after crawling, they do in the end. 
a little disappointing that they didn't play the main piano riff. It seems like it's uh, definitely sample. It looks like Joe is like triggering the samples somehow, but it would have been cooler if they played it on a keyboard, which they did like in the last song, because yeah. it's like the main riff of the song. The sample should be extra. It shouldn't be the main riff of the song, but uh, that's just how they did this one, and uh, it's pretty cool rendition uh probably yeah definitely their biggest hit at the time yep um there's probably people in the audience who only knew this one out of all of the songs that they had just heard uh so it's kind of cool that they still have two more after this kind of more for the fans as well to keep the night going as well they do place for my head place for my head is did not make the album but is on the dvd the drumming sounds great in this one like the layers of drumming, it just sounds awesome. Yeah, Phoenix almost falls down in the live recording in the nice. middle of this song. <laughs> this is a fun piece. Funny they kept that in there. I still don't get why they cut any of the music from the album. It's only a 70-minute concert, which absolutely fits on a CD. So I, I don't get what they did. I don't get why they... Why would they cut any of it? Because it was all mixed. It all sounds like it was mixed the same. It sounds great. So why... So what the heck? Uh, I don't know. It's a mystery. But yeah, uh, we got uh, Place for My Head in there. And uh, we close on a, a one step closer with a nice build up to get the, the crowd involved for the closing, closing vocals, closing screams. And Brad throws his guitar, which is cool. And then Chester smashes the guitar, which is awesome. And then after that, Johan smashes his like sample controlling whatever the heck thing he plays. And um, there's really the one original main band who invented that destroying the set at the end of the stage was The Who. Um, they would always do that. They started doing it at the end of every show. It was always usually Roger Daltrey and uh, John Entwistle, the singer and the bassist, would leave the stage. And then the guitarist and drummer, uh, Pete Townsend and Keith Moon, would just go crazy. They would destroy all the drums, all the amps, all the guitars. And, did, you know, that's the iconic imagery of the guitar smash that a lot of rock bands will rip off in the heat of the moment. They just get so crazy and wrapped up in the whole thing. I think every concert ever should end that way i think after like a <laughs> classical concert all the violin players should just smash all of their stuff and then it's just it's that's how the finale should be the other band who did that besides the who was nirvana the, nirvana kind of brought it back around again in the 90s and they would that way you don't have to play an encore if you destroy all the amps and guitars and just walk away in a feedback mess of noise you don't have to play an encore and the people go home because <laughs> it's just feedback going on. Um, Clever thinking. But uh, I, you know, there's people who hate that kind of thing. Just the wastefulness. Like, why wouldn't you give that guitar to like a starving child who doesn't have a guitar? Why would you smash it every day? It's part of the art. They blow up airplanes to make movies. They do all kinds of crazy stuff. It's part of the show. Um, it's kind of cool that that Lincoln Park figures out, you know, that Johan can smash his his like MIDI controllers and stuff to kind of bring it to the 2000s uh, from where Nirvana left it off in the 90s and the who left it off in the 60s. So it's uh, 
it's very cool that they take up that piece of like rock history and take that forward in in that little moment there. Yep. They do uh throw a few items here and there into the audience so they do that's when it gets overboard yeah when you start throwing stuff into bands do that bands will throw a guitar into the audience that's a little overboard especially when they have a rowdy crowd like they did for this show yeah fights and stuff breaking out but smashing the set that's that's there's no better encore than that i don't know what else to say i think it is interesting they didn't end with in the end or a different song choice as opposed to a place for my head or over in my a place for my head or one step closer mm-hmm. um i think it actually kind of gets washed out in the end but still yeah the whole the whole album i think works out well vocals are good they use samples when they have to but we see mike do a wide a range of instruments and we see all his talents i think this is a great live performance a great live cd a great live uh, visual to watch i enjoy it yeah this was a blast um i think if we do more of their live dvds i bet you it gets better i don't know how many other dvds there are necessarily but i just know like i was saying at the beginning like from this point forward they start crafting the albums with the stadium in mind like they're making the types of songs that will move a crowd like this. This is like them kind of bringing a metal album to that. And um, I just think I consider them like stadium rock eventually. That's yeah. like a genre from like the seventies. And obviously the, their genre at the beginning was like new metal and hip hop and whatever the hybrid theory genre, whatever. But I think they ended up, they just have to consider it kind of stadium style rock music. And I think it's, uh, this is like the, just, I, there's like the baby steps into it. Like as fun as this was, um, I'm, I'm really excited now to, uh, follow that forward again and kind of go back through some more of the stuff. I am too. I think especially their song selection was very high energy and they did a great job. They could, they could have even had more answer response or more play with the audience as well. They could have done it more. They could have done it more between Chester and Mike. They could have played that up more. Yeah. So we have a lot, lot of growth in their live performance, but they've they're already a long ways along. So this is just a great piece. Yeah, I wonder how Limb Biscuit followed that. Holy cow! I don't know. I'd be afraid to follow that if I was Limb Biscuit. <laughs> I'd be afraid to follow that if I was Metallica. <laughs> I would be too. All right, join us again where we tackle an artist's discography track by track. Check us out on all of the social medias, every single one of them. We have all of them. If you know the name of a social media, we are on there. We'll talk to you later. We'll talk to you later. We're going to do Collision Course next episode. See you there. Any other thoughts? Nope, that's it. Any other closing <laughs> You can say whatever you want. I'm good. We're you on a, talk uh, about a collision course. With, we're you on want. a collision course with Jay Z. Anything. You can talk about anything, anything here. It's safe here. It's a safe space. <laughs> it could be Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. It can be 
Fort Minor, maybe. The Lincoln Park. Probably not. Maybe Lincoln Park, maybe. Fort Minor. It can be anything you want. Fort Minor. As long as it's Lincoln Park or Fort Minor. 